Hello, everyone. My name is OJ Tucker, host of the OJ Tucker podcast, the only comedy tennis podcast that talks about our political and societal culture as a whole. My name is OJ Tucker. As the name would suggest, happy Tuesday. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed your weekend, spending time with your family, your friends, watching some tennis as well. If you're Gujarati, hopefully, you enjoyed doing Garba and happy Navratri to all of you. Uh, there's a little bit of news I've been getting to outside of tennis world. In terms of news outside of tennis world, we can discuss the TV show community deciding to have a movie to fulfill the six seasons in a movie idea that was originally in place for the TV show. If you guys don't know Community, it's a great TV show. Go watch it. Um, the the last few seasons often like sort of get drained out, but overall, pretty good show. Go watch it. So the, the casting community deciding to make a movie or the essentially the production and, and the... And the channel deciding to make a new movie for the casting community. So we can discuss that. We can also discuss Trevor Noah leaving The Daily Show and the overall mark that he will leave on The Daily Show. Whether it was a good mark or a bad mark, you sort of know where I'm going to lean on that. But Trevor Noah deciding to leave The Daily Show, I'll give you my overall thoughts on that. Jordan Peterson uh, crying in front of piers morgan when olivia wilde said he was the hero of the incel community uh we can discuss that as well jordan peterson crying on air which is not anything new i mean obviously we've seen jordan peterson cry but this is in relation to olivia wilde calling him the hero to the incel community so we can discuss all that as well uh we'll end with my wicked picks so each and every week i end off with a book a piece of art of film an album that i really enjoy that i think you guys will enjoy as well so i'll obviously have a weekly pick but where we'll start for today will be tennis news. And it will be a recap of the Tel Aviv Open final that happened yesterday as Novak Djokovic beat Marin Cilic 6-3, 6-4 in straight sets. Overall, the match was decent. I'm not going to lie. I think a lot of people knew that Djokovic would win against Marin Cilic. Marin Cilic has won uh, in his career. He's done pretty well in his career, but... Overall, when you're talking about the caliber of players, we know that Novak Djokovic is on, in a different stratosphere compared to that of, say, Marin Cilic. But overall, it was a nice win for Novak Djokovic. You know, when you look at the stat line for both these players in this final, it was more or less Djokovic that really sort of ran with it. Uh, but you got to give Marin Cilic some credit here because he did have a lot of aces. He had 13 to be exact. Um, you know, he was able to really succeed well in terms of the service game. Uh, obviously, not so much because of the fact that he was able to get broken quite often in this match. But overall, his service game was not that bad. Uh, his return game, I thought, could have been better. There were times where he just wasn't able to really... He wasn't really able to respond to Novak Djokovic in real time. And I thought that was a pretty big hole that Marin Chilich often dug up against... Novak Djokovic in this match but overall this was just a nice solid win for Novak Djokovic we sort of knew that Novak Djokovic would win the Televi Open heading into this uh, tournament you know he was he started playing Thursday Friday and we sort of knew that because of that ranking because of that seeing that he would have that upper hand that upper advantage and we were right we were we sort of knew what we would expect we knew that we would see Novak Djokovic sort of run away with it and while I would like to say that this is a great, that this was a good solid win for Novak Djokovic, I'm also not going to lie and say, oh, this is one of the best matches of Djokovic's career. It's not. It's not. You know, it's a good solid victory. I think it's a, 
It's something that allows him to step in the right direction in terms of his preparation for the Australian Open. Uh, if he's scheduled to play, I don't know. Who knows with the vaccine situation down there? Hopefully it's not this long, drawn-out drama that happened earlier this year for next year. I don't want that to be the case because I just think it's it's just dumb and, and sad to see if the Australian government makes him prolong his own stay and makes him go to jail and whatnot just because he wasn't able to get vaccinated. I documented the drama on my podcast clips channel, so if you want us to watch it, go watch it. But I'll, I'll be honest with you, when I covered it, I was just so upset and irate when covering it that I could not really, like, I could not really give you, or not give you, but I couldn't really process what truly happened and what truly transpired because I was just so mad at what was happening in real time that I couldn't really process the 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 repercussions of what would happen later on. And I think we will see instances of Novak Djokovic not being able to play in tennis tournaments for the foreseeable future. You know, I've, I've been very clear in my belief that you know Novak Djokovic should be able to play in these tournaments despite not being vaccinated you know he does take good care of himself uh, we understand COVID a little bit more than we did a year ago and I think we understand that even though you can still carry COVID despite being healthy we know that it's not going to be as bad if you do take care of yourself if you do eat the healthy foods if you do you know treat yourself right and I think for Novak Djokovic, he's in that camp where even though he's not really vaccinated, even though he's not vaccinated, I still think that his chances of surviving COVID are still great because of the fact that he's not immunocompromised. But again, you know, th- these are all things that I've discussed on my podcast clips channel uh, seven, eight months ago, nine months ago, when this news first dropped and when we first found out that Novak Djokovic wouldn't be able to play the Australian Open. So I don't want to repeat it again this coming January for the Australian Open, it feels like it's going to be the case, but I think we're going to have to come to the realization that Novak Djokovic will not be able to play at certain majors because of the fact that he's not vaccinated. And it stings to say that because I would love to see him play at the Australian Open. I would love to see him play at, you know, Raw Labor Arena. I would love to see him play at you know, Arthur Ashe Stadium, you know, at the US Open. But it doesn't really seem as if, as if that will be the case. Which does stink. I'm not going to lie. It really does stink when you're not able to see one of the best players of all time play and compete. Uh, but overall, you know, with the Tel Aviv Open final, just a nice solid win. And I, I'm excited to see what's next for him. I really am. I, I really want to see what's next for him. Uh, again, it's going to be difficult to see him perform at the Australian Open. And I think that's sort of where people's mindsets, mindsets should be. Obviously, you have the ATP Cup, the ATP Finals, and that's very all well and good and whatnot, and people should really sort of focus on that. But again, I think the overall thing that people should aspire to accomplish for now is the Ocean Open. And I think that is something that should be focused on for all tennis players, not just Novak Djokovic. So overall, I think this is going to be one of those instances where it's a nice solid win for Djokovic, nothing to really write home about. But essentially, this was a confirmation of what we already known about Novak Djokovic is that he's really great when it comes to extending, extending himself in long rallies, being able to serve well, break at key critical times, and get the opponent frustrated so much so that he's not able to really compete to the best of his ability or to his own ability to beat the other player 
and that player is Novak Djokovic, obviously. So Novak Djokovic wins against Marin Cilic. Obviously, it's a nice, solid victory. Nothing to really write home about, but overall, just a nice, nice, solid victory for Novak Djokovic in this match. Again, you know, there's some things that he did really well at. Um, you know, in terms of his one percentage on second serve, I thought that was really important. You know, I'm just getting this from the Google, you know, because I did watch this match, but it sort of went by by a breeze where I really couldn't really sit down and like write down like each and every tidbit. I'm done with doing that, by the way. I think I think that's it's important for me to say that I'm done with just giving you what happened for each and every game for each and every set. I'll just tell it to you in a broad way and, and sort of pick out key critical times where the match sort of swung momentum and whatnot. Uh, for this match, there was no swinging of the momentum, per se. It was just Djokovic just coming out guns a-blazing and really making a stamp on Marin Cilic. Uh, so overall, this was a, again, as I've said, a nice, nice victory for Novak Djokovic. Again, this will not be this will not be in top 10 Novak Djokovic matches of all time. Like, let's not kid ourselves here. It's not going to be that. Um, but it will be a match where people will look back and say, you know what, this match really sort of proved that Djokovic can still hang, you know, that Djokovic is still in the mix of it all. And obviously we've known them before, but I think that this sort of confirms that even more. Uh, so yes, overall good match for Novak Djokovic. Marin Cilic, I thought he played a game that he's, he was most comfortable at and he played a game that we sort of expected from him. Uh, but overall, it was just a match that leaned Djokovic's way, and that's what truly happened, and that's what really went down. So overall, good match for Novak Djokovic. Uh, again, I'm excited to see what will happen for Novak Djokovic. Uh, for the Australian Open, I, I think the Australian Open, I, the fact that they're still banning him is, is not good. It, it's not good whatsoever. And, you know, when you just look at the 2023 season for Grand Slams for Novak Djokovic, you know, it, there's a, there's a, it's, he's probably not going to play the Austrian Open. He's going to lose the French Open because Nadal is going to be competing for it. Wimbledon, I think that'll be the one major he'll win. And the U.S. Open, again, he's going to not be able to play because the U.S. government want, needs people to get vaccinated before they enter the, the, the country. So, again, you may see... A similar result to that of the 2022 Grand Slam record of his, where he will only win the where he will only win Wimbledon. But again, this is not a good good thing. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, he is a healthy individual. He does he right. You know, he does take care of himself. He's not immunocompromised. He's not. You know, he doesn't have the signs that exacerbate the symptoms of COVID. I, I don't think that he is a liability. I really don't. And I don't understand why we're still playing this game of, of him being banned from a country just because he doesn't take a, a multi-billion dollar pharmaceutical product. I don't get it. You know, so I know I, I've sort of been on a tangent about the vaccine thing, but, you know, whenever I see Djokovic win and whenever I see him dominate in that fashion, and when I'm not able to see that at the final or at a Grand Slam final or at a Grand Slam at all, it hurts me. You know, it, it really hurts a lot of tennis fans and a lot of tennis and a lot of people that truly admire his ability to play tennis. So, again, I, I, it's just important for me to at least talk about it to at least at least for me to bring it up, uh, because I do know that, you know, it, a lot of people do value it and people do want to see Novak Djokovic play 
in the biggest events in the biggest grand slams and do so in a way that is competitive fun but also a reassurance of how he's able to play at these key critical times you know so i think that'll be it for my tennis man for today congrats to mark andrea Husler uh, for winning the sofia open i did not watch that um he won against holger rune at the sofia open and congrats to nishioka for winning the Korean Open or Korea Open against Denis Shapovalov. So congrats to those two individuals, and um, yeah, congrats to them. All right, let's get into our next bit of discussion here. So Jordan Peterson cries on air when when Piers Morgan mentioned that Olivia Wilde says he's the hero to the incel community. Uh, this is from Variety. So Jordan Peterson breaks down in tears when asked about Olivia Wilde calling him a hero to the incel community. Sure. Why not? Uh, so again, just pulling it up here, seeing what, what, what's, what he's about to say. Jordan Peterson broke down in tears during an interview on Piers Morgan Uncensored via Mediaite when asked about Olivia Wilde referring to him as a hero to the incel community. Wilde was on her Don't Worry Darling press tour when she revealed to Interview Magazine that Chris Pine's villainous character in the film, Frank, is based on Peterson. Wilde called Peterson these, this pseudo-intellectual hero to the incel community. Sure, why not, Peterson said when Piers Morgan asked if Wilde's assessment of him was true. You know, people have been here, have been after me for a long time because I've been speaking to disaffected young men. Peterson then broke down into tears and said, It's very difficult to understand how demoralized people are, and certainly many young men are in that category. You get these casual insults, these insults, what do they mean? These men, they don't know how to make themselves attractive to women who are very picky and good for them, women. Like, be picky. That's your gift, man. Demand high standards from your men. Fair enough. But all these men who are alienated, it's like they're lonesome and they don't know what to do and everyone piles piles abuse on them. And that's sort of what I got from, from that article. So overall, Jordan Peterson breaks down yet again. And for me... When I see Jordan Peterson break down, it's tough. It really is because I understand why people like Jordan Peterson. I understand why people like him. I understand why he has this mass appeal. And there's a lot of truth to what he says a lot of time. You know, I think there's a lot of things that we can really sort of take away from Jordan Peterson. And I think he does a really good job at speaking to young men in ways that a lot of people have sort of abandoned them. Um, But I can also tell that he is... A person that isn't mentally healthy right now you know I, I think things have sort of changed for Jordan Peterson once he came back from that long retreat from Russia uh, once he was able to get past the rehab and whatnot and you sort of saw a change within him and I've seen him because of that trip and because of that overall prolonged stay he's been more emotional at times on podcasts he, he was recently emotional on the Lex Friedman podcast uh, I don't remember for what reason. I'm sure there are Jordan Peterson fans that will comment down below on the reasoning behind it. But there have been a lot of times where Jordan Peterson has broken down after that rehab stay, after that rehab stint because of his drug addiction and whatnot. And overall, I, I just, I, it, it's tough for me to see like a grown man cry. I'm not going to lie. Like there are times where, where a grown man will cry. And I'm like, why? Like this is, it, it's, it's awkward. I'm not going to lie. Like, like I know women like to say they like to see men cry and like menstrual emotion, but I feel like it's to a certain extent. I feel like when you just see a, a full blown, like breakdown, nobody, nobody wants to see that, especially when it's televised and especially when people are watching and it's on camera. And I just don't, 
subscribe to that notion. I, I think that's kind of it's it's not good. It's not good to see a full grown man cry. I, I don't think it's a good thing to see uh, because it's, it's just so awkward. Like, what do I do in that situation? Like, do I? I mean, obviously, you got to console him. You know, that's very very important to console him to make him feel better. But it's tough for me to like not hide but it's tough for me to not hide behind a smile you know it, it really isn't it's really tough for me to heart to not hide behind a smile when i when i when i see that because it's just so awkward you you can only the only thing you can do is to smile when you ever see a person you know cry so when i saw jordan peterson you know cried in front of pierce morgan in regards to olivia while calling him the hero to the insult community i uh, it was nothing, anything new because I've seen him on m- multiple podcasts, you know, cry and whatnot. But I, I think, you know, it's just too much at this point. It's at this point, I feel like he's not mentally healthy to really give his thoughts on the world. You know, I, I think we can all agree on that, right? I think there's a lot of times where he's just overly emotional and he's just. He's just not mentally there anymore. I just don't think he's mentally... I don't think he's the same guy that made people fall in love with him in the first place. You know, I don't think he's that same guy anymore. You know, hopefully I'm wrong. You know, hopefully in the next few weeks or so, he's able to bring back, you know, that that vintage Jordan Peterson. You know, but I think he's one of... I, I just feel like he's just been broken down for so long now that it's very difficult to see him in this current shape. It really is. Um... Again, I, I hope that I'm wrong because I do want to see him still there and still being able to mentally process things and whatnot, but it, it feels like he's changed in a lot of ways. You know, if you watch that Kyle Kalinske interview where Jordan Peterson was on Kyle Kalinske's podcast and he talked about the trans bathroom thing, for me, as a person that has been watching YouTube for quite some time now and has been in, you know, watching the political space of YouTube and how, you know, the intellectual dark web first came up, you know, in 2015, 2016, and how it sort of took storm by then, and how all these people appeared on the Rubin Report, and how all these people appeared on uh, Rogan and whatnot. And when I see Jordan Peterson go on Kyle Clinsky's show and talk about trans people, it's been what, seven, eight years, seven, eight years of, of this same issue being talked about on podcasts of trans people being in bathrooms and whether or not it's a good thing, whether or not it's a bad thing. It's like, and when I see individuals still, you know, thinking that it's a bad thing or still thinking that it's still a prevalent issue to talk about, it's like, no, this is not a prevalent issue to discuss. This is nothing. This is, this is a non-issue after COVID, after the bailout of the banks, after mass homelessness, mass unemployment, how we're currently going through a recession, how people are losing jobs left and right and center, and how the job market is being flooded, how you know there's so many people with degrees that are not are not able to pay back their student loans in time. There's so many different issues that we're currently facing, and you still are focused on the trans bathroom issue. That's still the most prevalent issue that you think we're currently still facing is trans bathrooms. And the fact that, you know, people within that space, the intellectual dark web, not all of them, but a, 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 a few of them, they the fact that they still believe that, that this is still an issue that is worth discussing and that is worth taking time upon, I think is quite sad. You know, and I think Jordan Peterson, I feel like he has failed to adapt to the current situations that we're currently fighting for, or he's failed to adapt 
for the current situations that are worth fighting for. You know, I think when you see individuals like, and this is why I feel like, this is why I think Jordan Peterson is a step below before, a step below behind, you know, Chomsky or, or Slavoj Zizek, because for Slavoj Zizek, I feel like he does talk a lot about a lot of things that are pertinent still, and that are still worth talking about in a lot in, in the grand scheme of things. Where he still talks about anti-war causes, where he still talks about things that are sort of prevalent or quite prevalent, and that is currently still being faced upon the current generations. But I feel like Jordan Peterson, I feel like he's failed to adapt to the current year to the current generation where now people are sort of focused on other things besides trans bathrooms you know people really want to talk about you know people really want to talk about foreign intervention and the overall focus that america's had on foreign intervention for quite some time now you know he's failed to adapt to the overall double standard that not only republicans have but also democrats and politicians have when it comes to their overall belief in certain issues and topics that haven't really been fought about or really addressed when they first got into office. You know, there are a lot of things that should be fought over and and should be a cause of concern that haven't really been addressed by Jordan Peterson. And I think, you know, for Jordan Peterson, yes, he is a live style kind of individual, but he does dabble in politics a lot of times. And I feel like there have been times where he has dabbled in politics where he is right in some instances. But I feel like for other instances, he just isn't. And honestly, for the Olivia Wilde situation, I mean, is he a hero to the incel community? Who knows? I don't know. I don't think he is a hero to the incel community. There's a lot of well-adjusted individuals that do admire Jordan Peterson. So I, I, that's not that's another thing that Olivia Wilde is wrong about. Uh, surprise, surprise. But I think for Jordan Peterson to really be crying over it, it's not a good look. It, it's, it really isn't a good look because... For all the people, for all the men that look up to Jordan Peterson, for him to cry for a silly, nonsensical thing like this, it doesn't set the right example for the people that really try and emulate Jordan Peterson, right? I mean, if you see a grown man cry like that, it's not good whatsoever. I'm not against grown men crying. I think there's a time and place to do it. Uh, I feel like if you want to get a good cry out, you know, it's good to do it in the privacy of your own room, in, the, in your in your own in your own uh, place. You know, but to do it publicly and to do it on air, uh, when being asked about some random Hollywood director slash you know nepotism uh, slash you know Hollywood person that got in through nepotism, you know, to cry about somebody who got in through Hollywood through that way, to cry publicly about it, I think that's not a good look. I, I don't think it's a good look. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, Olivia Wilde is is not a competent director. I feel like she's not that talented. I feel like she's only gone here because of her ability to climb the the ladder, the Hollywood ladder, the Hollywood ecosystem. I feel like he's. I feel like she's done a great job at that, and I, I don't. I don't think she's the person that you should be crying over about. I, I don't think that that's the person that you should really think about in your day to day life. Like I really don't. Um, and I feel like Olivia Wilde sort of took that in stride. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I feel like Olivia Wilde watched that and be like, wow, I made this grown man cry, which isn't a good look. It really isn't. Uh, I feel like Olivia Wilde is that one person that you just don't really think about too much or get too emotional about. So overall, those are my thoughts on Jordan Peterson uh, breaking down in tears when mentioning and addressing Olivia Wilde. I just don't think it's that. I just feel as if 
a grown man should not be able to do that. I just don't think he should he should do that. You know, he should really focus on other things, focus on his own life, focus on things that are more pertinent pertinent to him, more important to him, not on the Olivia Wilde thing. All right, let's get into our next bit of discussion here. So Trevor Noah has decided to leave The Daily Show. Uh, this was a bit of a shock announcement to his own colleagues, to his own staff members that work for the show. Apparently, he announced it without them knowing, and it was during a behind-the-scenes sort of Q&A by the audience to Trevor Noah, and he shocks viewers by announcing it. So this is from Yahoo. Trevor Noah shocks viewers by announcing he's leaving The Daily Show. My time is up. On The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Thursday, Noah shocked the live audience and viewers alike by announcing that he'd be stepping down as a host of the show after seven years. Noah came to the decision after a conversation with Daily Show correspondent Roy, Roy Wood Jr. I was chatting to Roy Wood Jr. yesterday when we finished the show, Noah said, and he reminded me that it has been seven years since we started The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Noah then looked back at some of his experiences since first taking the reins in 2015 and spoke about coming to the realization that his time on the show had come to an end. I just found myself filled with gratitude for the journey. It's been absolutely amazing. It's something that I never expected, Noah said, and I found myself thinking throughout the time, you know, everything we've gone through, the Trump presidency, the pandemic, just the journey of, you know, the more pandemic, and I realized that after the seven years, my time is up. The audience had an audible audible reaction to this announcement. Roy Wood Jr. immediately took to Twitter to express his regret for bringing up how long they've been on the show. Okay, Uh, yeah, Uh, so yeah, I think that was a joke by Roy, Roy Wood Jr., but overall, Trevor Noah leaves The Daily Show in a state of flux. Apparently, Roy Wood Jr. is scheduled to replace him. I think that those are reports coming out uh, from New York Post and from other outlets. And overall, Trevor Noah's legacy will be a messy one during his time at The Daily Show. Um, I think Trevor Noah will always be the guy that could never adequately fill in the shoes of Jon Stewart. And I think that'll be what his legacy will be. A person that could never really fill in the shoes of Jon Stewart. Because Jon Stewart changed late night TV. Some people may say for the better. Others may say for the worst. But he definitely changed late night television. Jon Stewart was late night TV for a good amount of time. And he really changed it into the what you would currently see with Stephen Colbert. With the Jimmys. With Corden. Getting more political, but doing so in a way that was rather inauthentic and not in the same sort of grace or je ne sais quoi as, say, Jon Stewart had during his time with daily with The Daily Show. And I think Trevor Noah was a symptom of trying to fill in the shoes of, of Jon Stewart, but doing so in a way that really didn't understand what made Jon Stewart so likable and so endearing to begin with. When you first saw Jon Stewart, you know that you were getting an authentic, honest individual. You were getting an individual that really understood politics, but did so in a way that was comedic, but also well-timed and well and well aware of the current political landscape. With Trevor Noah, it was completely different. It felt like Trevor Noah really tried to virtue signal to people on Twitter. It felt like he was really going for the woke angle just to get certain people to tune in. It felt as if he lacked political wit in a lot of times, at a lot of times. And it felt as if he was just simply a vessel to further propagate and legislate, not legislate, that's the wrong word. But I felt like Trevor Noah 
Trump's time on The Daily Show was essentially a way for him to propagate neoliberal ideas to further please corporate suits and to allow Comedy Central to to further flourish, despite them not being able to have shows that could make their money back. And I think that will be what Trevor's Noah's le- Trevor Noah's legacy will be, well, is that he was a person that could not fill in the shoes of Jon Stewart because of the fact that Jon Stewart made such a presence when he was hosting the show. Again, you got to think back in the 2000s. You know, this was at a time where late night shows were still following the 90s model, the 80s, 90s model of, of thinking that, you know, they could still break out the next comedian, when, you know, thinking that, you know, having these, you know, okay interviews with celebs could still do it. And Jon Stewart really said, you know what, I want to talk about the Iraq war. I want to talk about the war in Afghanistan. I want to talk about George Bush's role in it. I want to talk about how the Democrats, well, there are individuals that are, that are anti-war, still are complicit in that. You know, he went after both sides. He went after both individuals. He went after both parties. He was able to really bring well-nuanced political takes that were funny to viewers. And he did so in a way that was really sort of understanding of both sides of the situation, but doing so in a way that was still truthful and honest to what he truly believed in. And when he saw Trevor Noah try and replicate that, you knew that it was sort of fraudulent. You knew that it was sort of fake, that it really came off as insincere. And I think Trevor Noah, to me, like, I haven't seen Trevor Noah outside of The Daily Show. I haven't. You know, he could be a great guy. You know, he seems like he's had a tough life uh, based off his Born a Crime book. So I, I can't really assess who he is outside of The Daily Show, but within The Daily Show, I can tell you is that it did seem as if it was sort of forced. It did seem as if it was sort of fake in a lot of times, in a lot of ways. And unfortunately, that will be Trevor Noah's legacy. You know, a person that really couldn't fill the hole that John Stewart left behind. And it's going to be interesting to see what will happen to The Daily Show because I do think that there is still some legs behind The Daily Show. I think The Daily Show can still be saved. Uh, Granted, if they hire the right people, if they get the right comedians to be involved, I still think it could be saved. You know, I mean, there are a lot of funny, you know, political comedians out there. I mean, I think um, Kurt Metzger, I think he's he's pretty funny in terms of being political. I think he's pretty funny. Dave Smith, if he if he could be hired for The Daily Show, that'd be great. Um, But again, I think he's too busy trying to run for president. But there's a lot of good com- uh, political uh, YouTubers out there or political comedians out there that could really uh, do well for The Daily Show. I mean, maybe Janine Garofalo. I don't know. I, I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't watched Janine Garofalo in a while. But uh, there's a lot of good political comedians out there that I think could adequately serve The Daily Show but do so in a way that is well-nuanced, well-thought-out, and you know, understanding of both sides. And I feel like that is something that The Daily Show has missed since Jon Stewart left. He was an individual that was able to, I know this may sound cringe, but tell it like it is, but in a way that was funny and valued comedy. And when you see Daily Show today, it's 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 not like that whatsoever. It really isn't. I mean, I'm going to miss the overall banter. I mean, I'm, Actually, not banter. Let, let me let me sort of start that over. Start that sentence, sentence over. I'm, what I'm going to miss with Trevor Nova leaving The Daily Show is 
nothing to be honest with you i'm, I'm not gonna miss anything i feel like he was just there again as i mentioned before he was just there to sell corporate advertising to a product that was deemed their most biggest product of that network i mean if you look outside of the daily show it's 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 rough comedy central is rough if you look outside the daily show it, it's pretty rough for comedy central right now uh all they're doing is rerunning south park um rerunning the office i think they had the charlemagne the god show and that's in it's season two and it doesn't seem like it's going to go past that because they had to rename it after season one um and they have to have charlemagne the god show right after the daily show so otherwise they're not able to air it so who knows about that you know who really knows about what's going on with that show uh, and apparently aquafina show is still on i i don't know again comedy central is on its dying breath it's on a ventilator and it's on a dial it's literally on a it's on on a machine right now and all it's all it takes is one person to like literally take out the cord and it's dead I feel like that's Comedy Central right now. <laughs> and maybe I'm wrong, but that's what it is right now. So when I see, you know, Trevor Noah leaving The Daily Show, I, I think that this will be, this has to be the wraps for Comedy Central. If they do not have a good replacement for Trevor Noah or if any replacement whatsoever, I think we're going to see Comedy Central fold. And I think it's their own sort of mistake for doing that because I think they did pass up on a lot of talent that could have made the show or could have made their channel better. I mean, when you saw them cancel Tosh.0, I'm like, okay, this is this is bad. This is really bad um, because Tosh.0 really did well for them. But when you saw certain, when you saw Comedy Central not give certain people specials because of you know they were all jokes or for what they said, or when you saw Comedy Central sort of not adapt to the internet. You know, there are a lot of times where Comedy Central... I mean, they're doing it now because they're posting specials on their YouTube channel. Uh, but when you saw Comedy Central give the cold shoulder to Andrew Schultz, when you saw Comedy Central... Uh, I mean, apparently, again, this is... Again, I think this is true because they are they are a part of Viacom. But when you see Comedy Central trying to create their, create their own app, you know, apparently Comedy Central tried to create their own app where they would have specials on that app. When you saw Comedy Central try and create their own app, and so just putting it out for free, you know that was a blemish on them. When you saw Comedy Central literally air specials at 11 p.m. or 12 a.m. on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm like, who's watching TV at 11 p.m., 12 a.m. on a Friday, Friday and a Saturday? Do you want these comedians to do, to do well? Do you want these comedians to have shows on your network and to make themselves a, a name on your own network? Or do you just want content for the sake of having content? You know, there's a lot of things where Comedy Central really went wrong. And I think it sort of started with them hiring Trevor Noah. I, I think in a lot of ways, and again, I have no idea about Trevor Noah outside of The Daily Show. I'm pretty, I'm sure he's a great dude. He could be, he could be saving puppies for all I know. But I think within... The Daily Show. I feel like his hiring was just sort of out of left field, and there were a lot of individuals within The Daily Show that were anchors and were, you know, correspondents that I thought could have done a better job at hosting it. You know, I, I think Roy Wood Jr. could be a great host. I really do. I think Roy Wood Jr. in terms of what he did for this is not happening and how he sort of replaced Ari Shafir, I think he handled that thing with grace, and I think he's going to handle The Daily Show with grace as well if he is scheduled to replace him. So I think there's a lot of things that you know. Comedy Central sort of messed up with, you know, and, and 
I do want to see Comedy Central do well because I do think that there should be a channel out there that does value comedy. I, I really want there to be a corporate channel out there that says, you know what? We should value comedy. We shouldn't give these comedians any notes. We should allow them to just run amok, to run uh, their unfiltered selves out into the open because we've seen them do well in these rooms, in these clubs before. So why not just let them run and let them do their thing? I really hope that Comedy Central does change themselves because I do think there's a lot of potential with Comedy Central. You know, I mean, think about about all the amazing shows that are part of Comedy Central, whether it's Nathan For You, Tosh.0, whether it's Insomniac, The David Tell Show, whether it's Cold, uh, Tough Crowd, whether it's... Um, <laughs> Uh, the Man Show, maybe not so much The Man Show, but whether it's Tough Crowd, whether it's Insomniac, whether it's Tosh.0, whether it's Nathan For You, whether it's the Justin Nick Offensive, there's so many great shows that have been on their network that I feel like if they just focused on what allowed people to truly enjoy comedy in the first place, I think they would have a better time at getting more people watching it. And I feel like if they were more open to having their stuff online and not block other channels, smaller channels for copyrighted content... I think you would see Comedy Central in a different position, in a different situation. Obviously, we all know cable is dying. I think you know Comedy Central is a symptom of a larger problem. But I think small steps like that could really help out their their network and help out their channel instead of just airing South Park reruns all day every day. You know, I don't I don't want to see Comedy Central go through the same situation as MTV is going on right now. You know, if you go on MTV, all you all you're going to see is 24 hours of ridiculousness, all right? I don't care about ridiculousness, you know? And I don't really care about MTV, to be honest with you. I, I really don't. I mean, there's other other programs out there. But again, you're not getting anybody to watch your show if all you're doing is, is showing Chanel West Coast laugh like a dolphin for 24 hours straight. Like, that's not how you're going to build an audience. That's not how you're going to build people to watch your product. And I think Comedy Central right now, I think Trevor Noah leaving the Daily Show could be a breath of fresh air for Comedy Central in a lot of ways because it can inspire them to th- to allow people to be funny on that show now. And I, I think Trevor Noah leaving the Daily Show could result in that. I don't think it'll happen, but it could be the result of it. So overall, Trevor Noah leaving the Daily Show, I think he left seven years of mediocrity. I, I think he was... Slightly, slightly mediocre. I felt like he offered nothing different from what Colbert was doing on CBS right now. I felt like he gave political takes that were in the same bag as Colbert, but not with the same grace as Stephen Colbert. And I think he was an individual. I mean, I, again, I say that as a person that isn't a big fan of Stephen Colbert either. I mean, let's get a twist. I used to like Stephen Colbert a lot on the Colbert Report, but when it, on his own like late night show, completely different. So. You know, again, I'm saying this as a person that's not a big fan of either of these two individuals, but I feel like in terms of politics or in terms of being a little bit more acutely aware of politics, I feel like Colbert does a little bit of a better job than Trevor Noah. I mean, let's let's be all let's be honest. They all they're all pretty bad, but we can all admit that one of them is a little bit more aware or has been able to show that he's funny more so than the other. And I feel like Stephen Colbert has done that a little bit more so than Trevor Noah. I'm not pitting them against each other, but I'm saying, comparatively speaking, I feel like Colbert has done a better job at making being funny, being more funny in his career while talking about politics than Trevor Noah has done in his career talking about politics. But overall, those are my thoughts on the Trevor Noah situation and him leaving The Daily Show. I think he is a person that could never adequately fill in the shoes of Jon Stewart. 
and it was quite noticeable, especially a few years in. So those are my thoughts on Trevor leaving The Daily Show. All right, let's get into our last bit of discussion here. So the cast community and community itself, the community TV show itself, has announced that they will be making a movie. Uh, so this is from Variety. Communities, the community movie is finally happening at Peacock, fulfilling the show's prophecy. Uh, again, pulling it up, uh, and we'll talk about it. Pop Pop the Champagne. Again, that's a reference to a character on the show. Uh, Pop Pop. Uh, I, they were watching a football match, John Oliver and this other dude. Um, and he, he goes by Pop Pop. So that's that's the reference. Pop Pop the Champagne. Maybe it's not the darkest timeline. Again, another reference to the show. After all, as six seasons of the movie is finally becoming reality, Peacock has ordered a movie based on the Dan Harmon comedy community. Bringing back the original stars, Joel McHale, Danny Pudi, Allison Brie, Gillian Jacobs, Jim Rash, and Ken Jeong. Donald Glover is suspiciously, suspiciously out of the, the movie. I don't know why. Uh, to check in on what the gang from Greendale has been up to since the show ended in 2015. Without sharing specifics, Peacock and Sony Pictures TV, which generally announced the green light on Friday, described the no- no- negotiations for Peacock to secure the movie as heavily competitive. As part of the deal, Peacock has also acquired non-exclusive rights to the full six-season community library, which can also be found on Netflix and Hulu. Community creator Harmon is behind the movie as executive producer and writer. Along with Andrew Guest, Mikhail also serves as EP. As do Ross, as do Russ Krasnoff and Gary Foster. I don't know. I don't know those names. I'm sure they're great people. Uh, Sony, Sony Pictures TV and Universal Studio Groups. Uh, Universal, Universal Television Shingles are the studio studios on the show. Uh, community ran on NBC for five of the show's six seasons, and Universal TV served as one of the show's production companies, which studio led Sony. Uh, that's in quotes. Uh, the six seasons in the movie started out as a, as a cheeky line from Community's early seasons and quickly ignited a passionate movement fan movement for this iconic, hilarious, and cool, cool, cool NBC comedy, said Susan Rovner, chairman in entertainment content, NBC Universal Television and Streaming. We're incredibly grateful that 15 years later, we were able to deliver fans this promised movie and can't wait to get to work with Dan Harmon, Andrew Guest, Joel McHale, Sony, and our partners at UTV to continue this epic comedy for Peacock audiences. Further details, including a director and an estimated premiere date, have not yet been shared. Also unanswered is whether or not community cast members, including Yvette Nicole Brown, you know, the, the other cast member of community, she was also on Drake and Josh, uh, and Donna Glover might still make an appearance or at least a cameo. It's probably safe to say Chevy Chase, who had a falling out with the show and whose character eventually died, won't be back. So overall, that's what happened. Community, the t- TV show, is having a movie and. Honestly, I was a big fan of Community uh, back in high school. Uh, I don't know. If, I haven't watched it in quite some time, so I can't really remember that many episodes. But Community was a great, great show. Uh, the paintball episodes were amazing. Uh, the Darkest Timeline episode with them, um, you know, all in that apartment. And that iconic meme of Donald Glover walking to an apartment where it's all burning and him just dropping the pizza and, you know, yelling. That was an amazing episode. 
The episode where Ken Jong is in blackface while he's playing Dungeons and Dragons is hilarious. The fact that they took it out of their library is concerning to me, and I think that's wrong. I think that's morally reprehensible. I don't think art should be censored whatsoever. I I don't care what art it is, whether it's a a television show, whether it's an indie film that's made by David Lynch. I do not care. At the end of the day, art should never be censored or it should never be... Art should never be taken away from the consumer, from the artist, from the directors, from the people that made it. I don't think that's the right way, right way to go about things. I, I think it ruins any nuance or context. I think it, it lacks the ability for us to have honest and, and important discussions on things. I do not support censorship when it comes to art whatsoever. I think we got to let people, let creatives and let artists make their own decisions. I, I think censorship within art is, is a horrible, horrible thing to do. So when I saw that, I was very, very mad and very, very pissed off. But overall, that Dungeons & Dragons episode was amazing. Um, I felt like the show sort of ended unceremoniously once Donald Glover left the show. I felt like Donald Glover was the star of that show. You know, and for me, like, I was big into Donald Glover. I really liked Donald Glover back in high school. Loved Dare Comedy. Loved the first season of Atlanta. Same with the second season. I haven't watched the third season yet, and I know the fourth season comes. Fourth season is coming out, so I got to catch up on the third season. Apparently, I haven't really heard that many great things about the third season. But I really liked Donald Glover, you know, as a younger kid. And, you know, as, as I grow older, you know, it's tough for me to listen to Camp, that first album. You know, it's it's... I'm not gonna lie; it it hasn't aged well, uh, but because the internet, it's still a good album. I'm not gonna lie; because because the internet is a, is a pretty good album still. I mean, there's still a lot of good songs on that album. Earth, the oldest computer, uh, Pink Toes, uh, World Star, Crawl. I mean, there's certain so many great songs on that. So many great great songs. But you know, this community movie, I think is gonna be pretty good. I I hope it's good. I hope it's good um, because. For me, I, I was such a big fan of Community. I mean, it, it was it's probably my favorite NBC show of the past like 20 or so years, you know, and I know a lot of people like The Office, a lot of people like Parks and, Parks and Rec, but I loved Community. You know, it really had its own sort of cult-like fan base, and part of it's because of the fact that Dan Harmon was such, was such a good writer for the show, and he was able to really give uh, topics like current cultural topics, current pop culture pop topics, but do so in a way that was sort of lambasting it and critiquing it you know when he when he made that glee episode i'm like this is amazing like this is such an amazing episode obviously for alice and brie as well you know why but still that was an amazing episode um it it was just such a breath of fresh air to watch on cable not on cable but on like on like primetime television you know it was such a breath of fresh air to see you know this sort of group of cast members being able to have their own sort of high drinks and still being great, you know, and still being hilarious. And and I, I just remember seeing that, you know, and really watching it and, and just thinking to myself, like, this is just a great, great television show. Obviously, it did fizzle out at the end. You know, season six was on Yahoo, and it really didn't have the same amount of fun enjoyable aspects as it used to have and i think part of it is because of the fact that don glover did leave uh but overall it was just an amazing amazing show uh troy and abed in the morning was an amazing segment and hopefully Donald glover is still in uh in the i hope he's in the movie i really do because he was on the live table read like a year or two ago with the cast 
and he seemed into it. You know, he he was into it. So I, I really want to see Donald Glover still in the thing. I think this is appearing on Peacock, on the streaming service Peacock. So hopefully it's good. I, I've seen some Peacock original movies and they were okay. I, I watched the movie Meet Cute, the Pete Davidson, Kaylee Cuoco movie uh, on Peacock recently. Uh it's okay. It's not that great. It's a rom-com, like a romantic comedy drama film. So you sort of know what you get into when you when you step into it. Uh, but overall, I thought it was an okay movie. So hopefully they can make better than mediocre, better than an okay movie. Uh, because again, they did fire Dan Harmon from season three. So you know we don't really know as to whether or not they're fully invested into allowing them to be to allow them to have full creative control you know but overall i do want to see the gang come all back together you know i want to see britta britta up i want to be able to see uh jim rash still being the the dean of of greendale community college you know i want to see all of that i want to see all of that i think it'll be great to see you know uh, the bloopers for community are great as well. I mean, if you haven't checked the bloopers out for community, go do it. Go do it now. It is great. The bloopers are hilarious. Um, but overall, it's just a great, great te- television show. Uh, I have season one. I have the DVD for season one. Uh, and I think it came with a comic book that was like written by Troy and Abed, uh, by Danny Pudi and Don Glover and the, vo- and the characters of Troy and Abed. So I, I really love this show. I-, I think it's a great show. It's, a- it's one of those shows where you can just watch in the background while you're thinking of something or busy doing something else and, and you can just still be in the show despite not knowing or despite being in the middle of doing something else so overall that's it's a great show that you should all watch and i'm excited to see the movie and what's going to happen with the movie all right so i think that's it for the topics for today let's end with my wiki pick so each and every week, I end with uh, I end every, each and every week. I recommend a book, a piece of art, a film that I really enjoy that I think you guys will enjoy as well. This week, I'll be recommending an album from a really good band, a really good band. Uh, I first heard of this band uh, through Interpol. Apparently, Interpol got kicked out of their studio uh, from the cops because they were too busy playing in their studio space in this band's studio space, and that's sort of how I found out about this band. I start to read more about them. I start to listen to some of their albums. And they really give really, and they really had a good sense of art punk, but also dance punk, or art rock, but also dance punk. Um, just, just great indie rock from the New York City scene, and it, they're just a good band that really gives some great tunes. Um, you know, I was able to first be introduced to their music, and I first heard their music through their song being on Project X, uh, the remix for their song. And that's sort of how I found out about this band. So without no further ado, my wiki pick will be the Yaya yeah, yeah, Yaz Cool It Down. That will be my wiki pick. It's a great, great album that was recently released this past year. They had like eight or nine years of, of no albums being released. I think the last time was either like 2013 or 2015. I think 2013 was the last album. So it's been a, a good decade since their last album was released. And they did not disappoint because this is a great, great album. Um, Fleas and Wolf are just great songs that are, are just amazing to uh, listen to. Um, there's also that song called Yeah, 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 Burning. The Burning is also in that in that. Um, 
in in the album that it's it started off quite similarly to Roxanne's to the police's Roxanne. So if you like the police, you know you may like the song. But overall, this is a just a great great album to listen to. Uh, Karen O is just an amazing person. I I really really admire her, and I really admire this album because it really goes to show you that bands from the two thousands, especially New York centric bands, can still do well and still create great songs while still having a, a, a small group of people, not, maybe not a small group of people, but still having a committed group of people still listen to what they're putting out and still enjoy it for what it is. And the Yaya Yaz, Cool It Down is one of those albums where you could just listen to and really enjoy it from, from the start of the, of the album to the end of the album. It's just a nice, great dance punk art rock album uh, that... I think would get people more invested and more interested in the album if a if a more pop culture or a more pop artist made it. I feel like this is one of those albums where if a pop artist, say such as Dua Lipa, if let's say if Dua Lipa made this album, I feel like journalists, critics, and everyone in between would say that this would be like this would be this decade's My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy. I feel like this would. If this album was made by any other pop artist, it would be considered one of the best albums of this past decade. I really do think so. Maybe that's a little bit too hyperbolic. Maybe I'm being too out there when I say that. But I do think that if this was made by a pop artist, I think you would have you would see more recognition for it. And I feel like a lot more people would be talking about it. And don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people that are still talking about it. But I do think this album, if this was in the hands of a bigger a pop artist, I do think that this would get more press more notoriety, more tension. I maybe the my beautiful dark twisted fantasy comparison might be a little bit too much, so I'll take that back. But I do think that if this pop, if a pop artist made this album, I do think that this will get more people talking about it and, and discussing it in a more positive way. And I think that's kind of kind of why that's kind of why I want the IES to be more bigger and more popular because I. I I see the, I see, and they already are big, don't get me wrong. I, I love uh, It's Blitz, you know, it's a great album, you know, Soft Shock is a great song, and they're always, they're always going to be one of my favorite bands to listen to, but again, yeah, he has Cool It Down, go listen to it, it's a great, great album, and I, I do think that if this album was released by a bigger artist, I do think that this would be getting more attention, so I, I will be recommending this to you guys, because I think it's a great album, I think this should get more attention and more press and more people talking about it so overall the AAS cool down that'll be my pick for you guys today and i think that'll be it for the podcast so guys thank you so much for watching thank you so much for listening make sure you guys like subscribe and click the bell icon for notifications down below make sure you guys follow me on my instagram tiktok and twitter uh at aj tucker underscore the end on both my instagram tiktok and twitter at for tiktok you gotta put the at sign before my name for before my username so go do that um subscribe to this channel Subscribe to my standup channel, which is in the link down below. Uh, I posted a few videos a few months ago, and I'll try and keep you posted. Uh, I'll try and do like one standup clip a week uh, for the next few few weeks or so. I don't know. It depends on how much material I'm willing to give out. I feel like as standup comedians, it's very very important to be on your p's and q's about what material you want to put out there. You know, for me. I'm kind of tired of all the crowd work clips that I see online. So I don't know if I'm going to be posting any crowd work. And I, I don't really enjoy doing crowd work, to be honest with you, because I do think that a lot of people do it. And it gets so much, it gets so stale and repetitive that at some point in time, I just get tired of doing it or just tired of watching it. So I don't want to post any crowd work. I'll just stick to doing, you know, 
small bits and whatnot that fit the YouTube short scheme. But overall, guys, uh, follow me on my podcast channel, my stand-up channel. Make sure you guys leave a comment down below on any of the topics that I listed, whether it's community, whether it is Trevor Noah leaving The Daily Show, Jordan Peterson crying uh, in front of Piers Morgan, whether it's Djokovic winning the Tel Aviv Open, or whether it's my lucky pick. Leave any of your comments, questions, or concerns down below. I'll do my best to respond to each and every one of them. Uh, rate and review on Apple Podcast. Uh, and listen to it on Spotify. And I think that will be a few yes today. So, guys... Thank you so much for watching. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys on Thursday. I don't know what I'll be talking about. Maybe more tennis news, maybe things outside of our political and societal realm. But just know it'll be a podcast that I will be very much invested in. You know, we'll keep you up to date on. So, guys, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you guys on Thursday. All right, guys. Peace. See you all.